The use of mobile health applications, wearable fitness trackers, and even social media sites are creating new risks for the security and privacy of health information. But many of the entities that collect, share, and use that health information do not fall under the regulatory scope of HIPAA. I'm Marianne Kobusak-McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Lucia Savage, Chief Privacy Officer at the Office of the National Coordinator for Health IT. ONC, along with the Office for Civil Rights and the Federal Trade Commission, recently issued a new report to Congress that examined the privacy and security of health data collected by entities not regulated by HIPAA. Lucia will be discussing some of the key insights from the new report. So now, Lucia, for starters, very briefly describe what ONC, OCR, and FTC examined for the report and why. First, I want to be clear, this is a report that ONC has published, and although we have developed it in very close consultation with Office for Civil Rights and the Federal Trade Commission, it would probably not be accurate to say that it's an FTC report. In particular, the FTC has its own processes for publishing things it publishes. So I just want to be clear, very intense behind-the-scenes collaboration with the Federal Trade Commission Consumer Protection Bureau, but this is an ONC report. That being said, I think that even, even in our consultations with the Federal Trade Commission and Office for Civil Rights, we collectively as the um, administrative branch experts in health information had five specific findings. They're detailed in the executive summary as well as throughout the report. They um, note differences in how and whether individuals have a legal right to get a copy of the digital information that's been collected about them or to require that it be sent places. That right is very strong in HIPAA. That right is not statutorily protected outside of HIPAA. Secondly, there are security minimums. Information collected that's digital in HIPAA-regulated organizations have certain security minimums about how that information is held from a security perspective and processed. And while security engineering, the best practices are pretty easy to identify, there's no law that requires any particular security practices with regards to non-HIPAA regulated entities. My caveat being, of course, that if an organization was found to engage in unfair or deceptive practices with regards to health information, the Federal Trade Commission might take action. Third, there are differences in the uses to which the information can be put, particularly when it contains identifiable information. Notably, um, HIPAA prohibits the use of identifiable information for marketing to the individuals from whom it was collected and also prohibits the sale of identifiable information, and that's not true outside of HIPAA. Fourthly, it's a very complicated environment as the report details over its 35 pages, and as a result, we're convinced that consumers are pretty confused. And when you talk to me or other people within health IT, this is information we work with every day, but for the ordinary consumer, it's very complicated, and they're not quite sure where certain privacy protections end and others kick in. And lastly, of course, we're thinking a lot about the ability of digital technology to improve our learning and understanding and to improve our health, and we worry that the confusion and complicated regulatory environment is, in fact, impeding the development of innovation that could improve our learning or improve our health. So, Lucia, what are some examples of non-covered entities that fall into these regulatory gaps 
And when it comes to these gaps, are these entities even aware there are gaps that perhaps present risks to patients and consumers? Well, so your average retail for purchase through an app store fitness tracker, I'll I'll pick on the one that used to live on my phone, but I got rid of it because I wasn't uh, using it. It, you know, it's tracking your heart rate and maybe the miles you've put in and whatever you're, you know, bicycling or swimming or walking or running and where you do that. And, of course, there are social media functions where you can share that information to Facebook or on Instagram with your social circle. And all of that becomes identifiable. Your phone is a unique piece of equipment. Your pattern is unique to you. When you share it out on social media, it typically has your name attached to it. So that whole stream of data would say, Marianne ran 10 miles on Saturday, July 9th. And that's not regulated by HIPAA. There is FTC oversight of uh, fair and deceptive practices, but as long as the practices are neither unfair nor deceptive, the FTC doesn't typically have a role. So that's one example, actually, of the way that digital technology that you might have on your phone interacts with social media that displays health information about you. And, of course, the organizations that sponsor those activities are collecting that information behind the scenes. And how are these organizations using that information? How are they sharing it maybe with other third parties and putting that information at risk? In a wide variety of ways. So one example that the FTC has documented pretty well is that a lot of organizations that don't have regulatory prohibitions against this will collect this data and monetize it. They'll sell it to data brokers. They'll use it for targeted ads, generating ad revenue for themselves, and all those kinds of ways that who you are and what you do every day becomes useful to other people who may be trying to sell you things. In a shout-out to the FTC, they have a great report on data brokers. So that's linked in our report, and I don't want to replow the FTC's good work. So now, what are the key privacy and security risks that you know these gaps present? Is it a matter of patients not being aware of how their data is being used? Is it that these companies are not protecting the data sufficiently? I think there's a couple of risks. One is, of course, at the consumer level, we, we think of consumers as fully autonomous adults when they have enough information to make good choices for themselves. And we think about my point about consumer confusion, underneath that is, Does the consumer have enough information to make a choice for themselves? Has what the app is doing been clearly and transparently described to them in a way that's reliable and not changing in the future so that the consumer can say, oh, I kind of don't want that app to keep track of me in that way. Or they can say, nope, that's completely okay with me. I like the features of this app. It gives me a lot of convenience. It gives me information about myself, and I'm okay with this trade. App collecting my information, but I'm getting some services from the app. So when there's confusion, we're not quite sure that trade is being made, in each case, by a fully informed consumer. That's one problem. The other problem is, of course, security. We have a world where data through uh, the criminal elements on the Internet has high value, and I think if people who are worried about that need to have the skills and the understanding to say, oh, when my insurance company or my provider system collects data, at least it meets these minimums of security. What's happening over on the other side of the world where I'm also giving data to this app, and is this app keeping my data secure and not available to the criminal element?
Lucia, do you get the sense that, you know, even though there are these regulatory gaps where these non-covered entities have to comply to any HIPAA regs when it comes to, for instance, performing a risk assessment, do you get the feeling that these non-covered entities are voluntarily complying to some minimum security standards or frameworks when it comes to how they collect, share, and use health information? Or does it vary from company to company, do you think? It's a mixed bag. We know that Apple's Health Kit has certain standards that the app developers using Health Kit data have to adhere to. That's right on Apple's terms and conditions. But not every platform has the same terms and conditions. And an app developer could, you know, write apps that aren't uh, available in the Apple Store. So it, it really is kind of a mixed bag. As I said previously, We know what good security engineering is. The question is, what is being used in any particular circumstance? So in terms of addressing the gaps, is there a need for new legislation, new regulations? How can these gaps be filled? It's a very complicated environment that we have, as is laid out in the report. And there are even things that were out of scope for our report. That environment is really a product of statutes and regulations that have been on the books for quite some time. I think that the key thing here is we wanted to equip all of those interested in health IT, innovation, privacy, and security with some the same basic understanding of how the rules worked today, and then the stakeholders should figure out if they need those rules to do something different or not. And being that these non-covered entities don't have to comply to HIPAA, for instance. Is there anything that you advise healthcare entities that may be considering accepting data, for instance, from some of these wearable devices or even advice to consumers and patients on what they can be doing in the meantime to protect their privacy and information security in lieu of these regulations applying to these companies? I'm going to try and break that down into a couple of little pieces. First of all, I think being a knowledgeable consumer is really key. And we know that, you know, human behavior is just to click through the terms of use. But actually reading them is important. And there are some great non-governmental organizations doing work to kind of help people compare and contrast what are in privacy terms and conditions. And we have some work ongoing on that as well with our refreshed model privacy notice. So that's just improving consumers' understanding. A second thing I want to point out is there are plenty of instances where somebody has a great idea, they launch it, retail, and it turns out that what they're going to do with that idea is make that idea work with the traditional healthcare system. So once an app becomes part of the offering of a traditional healthcare system, whether it's an insurance company or a provider, then HIPAA does in fact kick in. And we try to explain that in quite a lot of detail in the report. So I don't want people to think that there's nothing out there. It kind of depends on the environment in which the app and the data collection is occurring. And the third is, you know, there's a lot of good documentation, and this report merely adds to it, about what in fact are best practices and what in fact is the right thing to do relative to individuals' dignity and their privacy and security. And so we really hope that the innovators who want to know what the right thing to do is will take this as a helpful piece in their toolkit in deciding how to innovate and do the right thing. Now that ONC has issued this report to Congress, what's next? Will there be guidance? Will there be something else to follow? 
ONC has been at work a lot this year on various things related to this sort of um, these new technologies, whether it's this report or the task force under our Federal Advisory Committee on API, um, Privacy and Security, working with OCR on its uh, guidance for app developers, et cetera. And so that work will all be ongoing because we always want to stay at least in sync with, if not ahead of, where technology and consumers are going. But I think there's a, a very significant role for the health IT stakeholders to play themselves, and I really hope they'll use this report as a springboard for that. Thanks, Lucia. I've been speaking to Lucia Savage of ONC. I'm Marianne Kolbasak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.